You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Dr. John Kao describes himself as having had six careers. The most recent one is Innovator. His new book has been called by reviewer Bruce Nussbaum, scary, insightful, and ultimately very useful. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. John Kao. Dr. Kao has held faculty positions at Harvard Business School, MIT's Media Lab, Yale College, and the United States Naval Postgraduate School. Dubbed Mr. Creativity and a serial innovator by The Economist, Dr. Kao describes his job description as instigator of new things. His latest book is called Innovation Nation. Welcome to ReachMD, John. Thanks. Good to be here. You've had one of the most interesting career paths I've ever seen. Tell me about your six careers. Well, first of all, it might be dignifying it to call it a career path. It's been a, more like a series of improvisations. I think it goes back to an experience I had when I was about 10. And just to put it in a nutshell, I, I found a science fiction book in my parents' house that described a new discipline that was at the interface between behavioral science and politics, military strategy and engineering, and a few other kind of disciplines thrown in. It was called nexialism, and it somehow enabled people to make change happen in society. And I said to myself at the age of 10, when you sort of know everything, I guess, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do that when I grow up. And then I found out that it didn't exist as a profession. <laughs> a nexiologist? Uh, nexialist. Oh, nexialist. Uh, so at the, you know, at the nexus of things. Ah. So, you know, let me see if I can get this right. Career goal number one was professional music. Career goal number two was Jungian psychoanalyst. And I guess career goal two, part B, was professor of psychiatry at some well-known medical school. Because I did go to Yale Medical School. I did a residency in psychiatry at the McLean Division of Mass General. And, you know, all of those things did happen. Career goal number three was Harvard Business School professor, which I did for 14 years. Career goal number five was Hollywood producer. I produced a couple of feature films, three Broadway plays, and way back when it had a stint as a keyboard player with Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. And career goal six is now, I guess you could describe me, or the New York Times described me as an evangelist for a national innovation agenda. So the book, Innovation Nation, the subtitle says it all is really, you know, how America has lost its innovation edge, why it matters, and what we can do to get it back. And so I've been taking all of my knowledge of behavioral science, business, international studies, production value, narrative, <laughs> facilitation, and using them every day in work with clients who range from national governments to municipalities, regions around the world who are trying to take this journey of innovation. That's my current obsession, and I guess it's correct to say it's career number six. Many of our listeners and fellow physicians are incredibly burned out by the daily work of being a doctor and and increasingly fighting bureaucracies that aren't innovative, at least in our eyes. Um, What advice do you have for us? Well, I think you have one life to live, so you have to kind of follow your passions and follow your bliss. And I think that's why many of us got into medicine in the first place, I've seen a number of different patterns. Some people burn out and leave. They seek complementary or alternative career paths. And others manage to make some kind of an accommodation. So one of my classmates from medical school went back and got a law degree and is a black belt in taekwondo and you know, has many outside interests so that 
there's a balance. And then, you know, obviously some people kind of stick to the knitting. I think just generally speaking, being in a human service type business makes you vulnerable to burnout. So you have to, in the immediate term, be thinking about work-life balance. But in the long term also, try to figure out what the motives were for getting into medicine in the first place, which are, in my experience, typically quite idealistic and kind of make the world a better place kind of motives. And then figure out how those motivations can get expressed if it's not through the billable units factory of clinical medicine, then feel free to make a change, either in terms of the proportion of time you spend doing things or the distribution of activities. Because, you know, the field of medicine doesn't want burned out physicians. Mm -hmm. And certainly the patients don't. Right. If you're just joining our discussion, you're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is Dr. John Kao. We are discussing perhaps how to be more innovative. So, John, there's the question. Let's talk about physicians and, and what we do in clinical practice kinds of settings, especially. How can we be more innovative? First of all, I want to say that there's a lot of confusion around what innovation is. Innovation is not the same thing as creativity. So creativity is the ability we all have to come up with new ideas new insights, but uh, those insights may or may not be valuable. Innovation is about creativity that's applied to some purpose and that, that generates some real that measurable value, right? So, you know, I think it's important to keep those things separate. A lot of people think of innovation as the letting your hair down, brainstorming cool ideas stuff, and that's not exactly accurate. The other point to make about innovation is that it operates at different levels. So there's the innovation of an individual, for instance, you know, like Steve Jobs is an innovative guy, let's say. There's innovation at the level of a hot team. So, you know, the Apple Macintosh development team is a hot team. There's innovation at the level of an enterprise. So Apple Computer, a global company, is innovative. And then there's innovation at the societal level. So Silicon Valley, which is part of the U.S., is an innovative place within which Apple Computer has its headquarters. So, you know, when you ask the question, what can a physician do about innovation, I think that it's a good idea to keep those different levels in mind. There's a lot that one can do to address one's own creativity in terms of coming up with new valuable ideas. And in fact, a lot of physicians do have for better or for worse, because it doesn't always work out well, but they have sort of latent entrepreneurial tendencies. And, you know, whether it's commercializing some medical product or thinking about a new kind of health service or setting up an independent kind of health service business, there, there are a lot of opportunities at an individual level to think up something new and push it forward. I think there's also an influence that one has in one's professional relationships. So whether it's with colleagues or your clinical team or your clinic or your hospital, Trying to figure out how a hot team could be mobilized to pursue some objective is another level of uh, doing it. And then I think, you know, there's the opportunity to think about how it works at an enterprise level. So, the, you know, the, the field of healthcare, the field of healthcare, you know, on a global basis. And I think each one of those is a set of lenses for looking at how you find an answer to the question of what I can do. I mean, some physicians are getting involved in health policy or they're getting involved in transforming the healthcare system through electronic medical records and the digitalization of healthcare. And, you know, some are content to sit in their practice and come up occasionally with some better way of better mousetrap. Those are all perfectly valid ways of approaching the question of, you know, how to innovate. I'm thinking probably our listeners are in their car uh, driving frantically from clinic to clinic or hospital to hospital. 
thinking, well, yeah, you know, I kind of have this, what I think is a great idea, but how do I get started? What's the first step? How can they get some inertia moving in a positive direction here? Well, it's different for everybody. I, I don't think it's like saying, you know, how do you make your thinking better? I think people have different kind of ways of managing themselves to make their thought process better. So, but I would say the following. I would say that things that don't get focused on don't happen. So sometimes I'll counsel people to start jotting their ideas about a new business down in a notebook, or I'll you know, suggest that they do what in the corporate world is quite common, which is to write a one-page memo of what the idea is and how it's going to be realized. Because you know, if you can't do that, then you don't have anything. You know, ultimately, one has to, if you're going to do something new, you've got to write a business plan. And business plans, there are plenty of books and resources online for how to write business plans. That's another discipline for kind of shaping the idea. I think talking to other people about the idea, if you haven't done something entrepreneurial before trying to find a partner who may round out your flat sides, may not even be in medicine, but may have business skills or whatnot, could be a good way to go. But I think, you know, the, the most important thing is to make room in your life. Doctors tend to be busy and, you know, they tend to be working at 110% of capacity. So if you don't have white space, new things aren't going to happen. It's funny, John, as you were speaking, I thought immediately of um, Dr. David Preskill, who happens to be the founder of this channel, ReachMD. And he's a busy ob who was literally driving between hospitals thinking, you know, it sure would be nice to have this dead time I'm in my car be used to actually learn something. And out of those commutes, uh, ReachMD was born. So it, it really can happen. Well, and also, I think another aspect of what you're saying is that the new idea often comes from your immediate environment. In other words, if you notice something that's missing or you have an idea about something that would be a better mousetrap, your own experience is a rich source of input. You, you shouldn't just think, well, I've got to go out and think really hard about what the world needs in the abstract. You're surrounded. We're all surrounded by interesting opportunities. Now, John, you've been able to leverage your training as a psychiatrist into a rather successful and, and dare I say, innovative uh, business career. Do you have any advice to our listeners who may be sitting there thinking, you know, I just want to shuck this whole doctor thing and try something new? You did it. Everybody's story is different, though. I wouldn't say that I'm an object lesson for anybody. I, I knew way at the beginning that I wanted to get training in clinical psychiatry because it would be valuable for other things I wanted to do. And I thought that I would potentially become an academic medicine type, but that stopped being interesting after a while. And I had an opportunity to go to business school and doors opened up and the rest is history, I guess. So everybody's got to figure it out for themselves. I mean, if you don't like doing clinical medicine and you have some money saved up and you have some plausible ideas about other things to do, there's nothing stopping you from either taking a sabbatical and trying something new or just making a change. People do it all the time. I happen to have done it at early career because, you know, my PGY four year was my MBA one year, and that was kind of the transition point for me. I have a friend who I went to business school with who went to Harvard Medical School and never did a house officer stint. He just went right to business school and then became a medical venture capitalist. So, you know, they're, doctors are smart, and they, they're enterprising, and they're hardworking. And I would say, so here's a nugget for you. I mean, I would say that whatever entrepreneurial success I've had has been very much based on my training in medicine. And the reason I say that is because once you've done an internship and you've done medical school, nobody can tell you about hard, working hard or 
pursuing uh, goals in a relentless way or making things happen because, you know, you want to make things happen for your patients and, you know, you want to achieve objectives. So I think medicine is actually a great crucible for developing entrepreneurial skills. But the problem is that, you know, the, the training in medicine is not really relevant for being an entrepreneur. So, you know, you might consider doing an executive MBA course or a small business owner's course or, you know, starting to read or whatnot if you wanted to move in the business direction. A lot of doctors get killed because they think they know so much that they know about entrepreneurial things, too. You need to round out your flat sides wherever possible. But there's nothing written in stone that says you have to stick with one career for your entire life. We've been speaking with Dr. John K.O., the author of Innovation Nation. Thanks so much, John. Thank you. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To listen to our on-demand library, visit us at reachmd.com. If you have comments or suggestions or questions, give us a ring at 888-MD-XM-157. Thank you for listening.